Welcome back to another exciting edition of Cleveland Schwill. I am flying solo today as my co-host Dave will not be with us, but he is always here in spirit. And speaking of spirits, I do have a guest. And before I introduce her, Mary Ann, before I give your last name, what did you bring with you to drink? Because you do have some spirits with you, as we will be uh, airing this in October. So it's perfectly okay to have some spirits with us. Absolutely. So, Brian, tonight I have got a very dirty gin martini. And I've got some grilled olives because that smoky, you know, flavor. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Theme. Uh, I'm a huge dirty fan. I used to make my uh, martini martinis extra dirty when i bartended so you have to yes yeah yeah so that's great uh mary ann's going to be keeping us company today she's our guest and mary ann woolwind you got it museum museum one to one where Mm -hmm. you go on tour in museums around northeast ohio and you do a little talking and and a little presentation and keep everybody interacted with the artwork and and uh there's some games to get played and we're going to get into all that we're going to go over the different tours but mm-hmm. before we get into that i'd like to say what i'm drinking mm-hmm. and i am so much more boring than you i actually brought uh michelob ultra pure gold that's what i'm drinking <laughs> so pure gold Nice. Yeah, it's nice. it's it's basically not gold it's basically like water but that's okay <laughs> I got a couple that I'll I'll sip with us while we go through your nice. tours tonight. Um, but to get started, Marianne, I, I'm curious. You, I know you recently started these tours, but before yes. you did these tours, did you have like a history of being interested in art or is it something that developed later on? And how did you get into this whole tour business? Thanks for asking, Brian, and for having me here tonight. Um, yeah, I am. Well, first of all, I'm a native Clevelander. Grew up on the east side. Shout out to east side. And uh, I I went to Kent State and started out in the fashion design program. But after visiting the Louvre uh, Museum in Paris, on a yeah. trip, my mind was just blown away. And I mean, I had always loved art, which is why I went into fashion. But um, when I came back from that trip, I switched my major to art history. So Back in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, <laughs> um, dating myself here. But um, yeah, so I changed my major. But along the way, you know, my mom was always afraid I'd be a starving artist. So, you know, art doesn't pay the bills. And let's just say across Lake Erie, there are several W-2s in my wake. But I'll just share a few of the different art-related experience that, um, you know. Yeah, that I have. yeah. So you yeah. got a little art history. Yeah, art so history. I have art history. Yep. And then um, my, uh, if I if I could drop some uh drop some names across northeast ohio list of experiences would include i i got to do um i was an artist assistant for a gentleman named uh uh michael loderstadt he's a 
pretty important Cleveland artist and he worked um, uh, teaching at Kent State until his retirement and he's still actively working. I was a gallery intern for the William Busta Gallery. That was like the top gallery. You wanna know anything about art in Northeast Ohio? You talk to William Busta. I was a security guard at the Cleveland Museum of Art a long time ago. Oh, wow. Was, yep. Um, in recent uh, years, I was an art director for a med tech startup called Augment Therapy. So I helped direct some of their uh, their work. I was an art director um, and art educator for some homeschoolers in um, like middle school and high school years here in the yeah. uh Hudson area where I live. And then I also taught uh, just private clients in my home. I taught drawing and watercolor classes. Then I um, also worked at, uh, I was employed by the Akron Art Museum as a museum educator. Uh, I started out first learning how to lead tours there. And then from there, when COVID hit, lost my perfect dream job of leading tours, but they kept, you know, kept some of us on to work online. So I was able to create studio classes and do some creative writing called Cooking with the Collection, you know, art theme inspired uh, recipes. So I got to do some really fun, creative things uh, in the in the field of art. But I have to say, after trying so many different things in the art world, what I realized that I was most passionate about was interpretation and basically what interpretation means is leading tours so along the way um i also had kind of peppered in some other opportunities where i worked for the cleveland clinic i was leading uh helping lead tours and volunteer with their arts and medicine program they have a program called art in the afternoon for alzheimer's patients and their caregivers so that was that's, that's probably very effective oh i've heard goodness. that art therapy is mm -hmm. huge, especially even in nursing homes. So it is, it is. So aside from you know the art therapy, which is about like the the healing process of making art, I really was intrigued by doing these tours because we realized that there's also a great power in viewing art, you know, like just looking at it without even making it. So yeah, have these, yeah, these these patients come in, couldn't put two words together to form a sentence. And then they'd sit in, you know, a very quiet, you know, room arranged just for them. You know, they, they wouldn't have a lot of distractions. And the art was based on some sort of theme. And they might look at a really abstract photograph of a, I don't even know, it just you couldn't even tell what it was, but it would trigger a memory. And that same person who walked in and couldn't even say hello could say a, an entire life story of theirs for like 20 minutes. It was amazing to me. So that's, that, again, kind of kept the wheels turning in the back of my mind, like, there's something to this. There's something really powerful about looking at art. It's not just showing up in a museum and, you know, thinking, oh, this is nice, or I don't like that, or there's something really powerful. It's like it rewired connections it, inside yeah. neuro connections. Exactly. So I also gained some, you know, some other uh, experience leading tours. Um, I worked for the Cleveland History Center. I was leading tours of the Hay McKinney Mansion. So I've got a lot of Cleveland history in my background as well. And then their other property, Hale Farm and Village. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. In full blown <laughs> petticoat, you know, pioneer lady dress. Oh, I love it. Leading yes. tours there. That was great. And then, like I said, I was officially trained as an art museum docent or interpreter at Akron Art Museum. So that's really like my art background, I've had a lot of other experiences. So you've had a lot of touring uh, backgrounds. Yes. yes. So that's probably what you, when you realized, I love doing these tours. Exactly. I love art and people. And that's what I say. You know, I, I always tell people the two things I love most, if I could 
you know, distill down all that I have to say, it would be, I love art and people. So, you know, that's really interesting. And, and I'm not getting off topic here, but like my son always has trouble with like figuring out what he's passionate about or what he wants to do. But right. there was a, there was a, a, somebody had told me once and I think Warren Buffett or somebody came up with it, but it, it was a, and he probably heard it from somebody else, but yeah. it was write down 30 traits that you have that yes. you feel like, you know, kind of define you. Mm-hmm. Start narrowing those down to like your five favorite traits and then write down 30 things you really love to do. That's beautiful. And start narrowing those down. Start crossing everything out one by one and get it narrowed down to four or five. And he goes, now you're starting to realize what you're truly passionate about. Yes. And I'm like, my God, that's such a great idea. Because like you just, you just basically said that. You're like, I'm really passionate about people and art. And all yeah. of a sudden you're like, here's a career. Boom. Right. Or here's exactly. a job, uh, uh, you know, a field I'm passionate about and I'm going to get into. So I love that. You narrowed that down. You know yep. that's you. You know that's what you want to do. Here we go. Yep. Museum one to one. One to one. And it, and it's just like you and I. It's one to one. So that's yes. what one represents. It's one person to another. And that's creative in itself, which I love even more. Yeah, so. I love having yeah, I love having multiple meanings and layers and levels to everything I do. So yeah. There's yeah, always something else. There's always ulterior motives or <laughs> something else going on behind the scenes or behind what's going on in my brain and what I'm actually saying. <laughs> so I know you mentioned Akron and mm-hmm. and Cleveland Museum of Art. Do you do tours? just at the Cleveland Museum of Art? Do you do tours at multiple museums? How does it work for you? Yeah, so right now I'm basically camped out at the Cleveland Museum of Art. So just so everybody knows, um, Museum 121 is an independent private tour company. I do not work for the Cleveland Museum of Art. This is my own company. But um, as I've described, that museum has just, again, that's been a really powerful place for me that helped me discover my passion because I, I didn't go there as a child, even though I loved art, my family was not into art. So the first time I was there as a, was as a high schooler with my, with my high school, you know, art class. And I've gone back hundreds and hundreds of times because I, as I, as I like to call it, it's my mothership. So most of my tours run out of there, but I just recently started adding VIP tours. And that's when I get requests from um, clients who say, you know, I'd really like to see the special exhibit at Akron Art Museum, for instance. And so I'll go ahead and I will, um, I'll research and prepare ahead of time uh, information about that, that specific tour and what they want to learn about it. And then, and then I'll tour the rest of the museum and you know, come up with a really nice, you know, balance out to their their full tour experience. So kind of yes and no. I met Cleveland mostly, but I can uh, take people on tours at other other museums. Yeah, because like I've seen you've done VIP tours at like yeah. Akron and that's yeah. on the website. I mean, it's right. not a secret. Right. No, it's you've not. Done. And you know what's sad? And I was supposed to go there the last and time. I've never been to Akron's Art Museum. It's amazing. I heard, it's, I heard it's great. So. Well, if you'd like a private tour, you know who to call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, and it, and they look fun too. Uh, mm-hmm. So, why don't we? Or how about this? Let's start a conversation about we say. your tours. Yeah, because yes. that's that's a very museum one to one thing is about starting a conversation, and I love that. Yes. Uh, so, 
what tours would you like to start with? Because you have a lot of different types of tours. So let's talk about the different types of tours and why somebody may choose a particular type of tour. Yeah, so uh, just jumping off with the uh, let's start a conversation, just so people know, my tours are not lecture based. You know, you you can you can take a free tour from um, the you know from the museums themselves. You know, museums generally do offer um, offer tours, um, but they tend to be heavily researched, and the person leading the tour is going to tell you all the information they want you to know about that theme or the artworks you're looking at. The way I do tours for Museum One to One is. Well, I call them visual thinking conversations. Hence, we get the you know the that phrase. Um, let's start a conversation. So what we'll do is we'll stop and actually look at a piece of artwork uh, for a little bit longer time, maybe a minute. In some of my tours, it might be a full hour. Um, and then I've got a list of really specific questions that I would ask you um, to help draw you out and find out what you like. So let's say we're doing one of my tours, the highlights tour. You know, you've never been to Cleveland Museum of Art or haven't been there since your elementary school class toured in, you know, you know, when you were when you were young. The highlights tour would be um, a way for you to meet, let's say, the Cleveland Museum of Art. It's about like a an hour and a half experience. And we're gonna explore the major collections because the museum itself is it, it it's massive <laughs> and there are thousands oh, and thousands yeah. of books out there. So we're not gonna see everything. You're gonna get overwhelmed after a period of time anyway, but here's the thing. I'm gonna take you into some of the major gallery spaces and I'll let you know, like in this space, we're going to explore on our own for five minutes, but I'll be around if you have questions. Then we might go into the next space and I'll say, okay, in this gallery space, we're gonna have a discussion, but I want you to pick out the artwork that you're interested in and we'll discuss. So I, you know, I can't possibly know everything anyway, but I do know a lot, uh, having studied this for 30 plus years. Um, so yeah. I, will, yeah, so I will draw you out and and help you learn what you're interested in, because from from my research, at least uh, in you know what makes what makes successful tours, and by successful I mean uh, you actually enjoy the experience because it's something you like, and not what I'm telling you you should like. Um, and it's also something that we're gonna just we're gonna engage. We're gonna have a, a an actual conversation. It's gonna be a discussion. So, so when you talk about this, you actually brought a piece of artwork with you, and I know mm -hmm. nobody can see it, but this would be like a visual thinking conversation. We could do an example of what right. a visual thinking visual conversation thinking. could be. Right. So uh, here's so, the first question so, I would ask you. We'd come up to yeah. this painting. I've got I've got an artwork here. It's actually a drawing. Uh, a lot of times when we go into the museum uh, gallery space, I might not even tell you who the name of the artist is. I might not even tell you the, you know, what the title is or the date, anything like that. Um, you could read that on the wall label. And I encourage people to actually not read the wall labels to just engage with the art and ask these kinds of questions themselves. So, Brian, first question is, what's going on in this picture? So to me, to me, when I look at the particular um, picture that's up there, I see a bug. I see like a lightning bug, like a glow coming off the tail, like there's a little light coming back there. And the bug is very determined oh. and looking at something that is holding its interest. It's almost a very stoic bug uh, with its expression, just like. I'm going to get what I want to get right now. Um, if you saw the bug, what you'd see is like a round head, mm -hmm. uh, two little eyes on top that kind of protrude out the top. So mm -hmm. the eyes aren't on the face. They're just a little bit 
above the the head, the yeah. circle, there's like a circular, what I would think is a nose sure. and a line for a mouth. And there's dots on the body, like uh, for camouflage or something. But the whole thing, there's little lines around the entire bug. And it's a darker yeah. tone around the bug. Mm -hmm. And it's like showing I have a glow to me. So I think like that's what I'm seeing. Fantastic. So that's exactly what we would do for question one. And uh, if you were by yourself, you would be the one to answer. If you were with a group, we'd let other people take turns. I might point out what you said because you might see something different than somebody else. So when um, when you've answered, I would like point out and paraphrase. Okay, you see, you saw this uh, this round shape that could be a head. You see these eyes that are on top of the head, which makes you think that it's maybe an insect. It's not human. It's not an animal. It's mm -hmm. an insect. Um, you're seeing this roundish shape at the bottom, which could be, you know, a, a bug body that they they look like they have those roundish segments. That yeah, yeah. And then and then you're seeing and and what I would ask the second question would be like, what do you see that makes you say bug or lightning bug? And you've actually already um, answered that by saying you see these little rays. They're little, and if you get up close, you can see that they're actually like little white pencil lines that are almost radiating out from around the entire little creature. And so yeah, that, little lines like a child yeah. would almost uh, put exactly. around a sun, you know, that you would yes. envision a sun around with kids. Thank you. Yes, Brian, that's exactly what we would do in a visual thinking conversation. And then my last question would be, you know, what more can we find? So it's, you know, mm -hmm. and you might go in and now you might go in and look at a little deeper and say, okay, the background looks and and let's say I'll, I'm describing the background looks almost like it's got uh, greens and yellows and reds and the, the style of the background. I can't tell. It looks kind of smudgy. Um, maybe it was spray painted. You know, I'm not really sure. And then I might ask the question too again. I might ask, what do you see that makes you say it's spray painted? And then I, you know, I, if I was answering, I would say, well, some parts look like it kind of has that stippling, like, you know, when, you know, the spray paint spreads oh, out. Yeah. Other areas, it looks like it's, you know, more concentrated where the spray actually hit the page. So we would, we would just continue the conversation in that, in that kind of way. And then because I've got our, our history background, you know, and I do have some knowledge on some things, then I might let you know what you are looking at. So for me, when I first saw it, I was thinking frog because of like kind of the same thing, the head, the eyes were on top of the head. So I thought, oh, that's kind of like a frog. And then when I saw the body kind of in this, it's, it's in a colored pencil, that's kind of a greenish bluish yeah. yellow color and then those large polka dots those round dots that you know you're, you're seeing on there that are like big pencil dots kind of randomly randomly drawn i thought you know those could represent you know warts on a frog or something so for me I oh, just kept absolutely yeah, yeah so you came up with insect you know a lightning bug i came up with frog and actually the artist who is actually a local northeast ohio artist named scott pickering has created most amazing colorful uh spray paint wall murals around like slavic village and around cleveland and this drawing in particular was made for a fundraiser event at spaces gallery called monster drawing rally so it could be a bug it could be a monster we don't know and that's the beauty what i love of art is that you know it could be whatever <laughs> you really want I know. It to you know whatever dave you're has a saying that that i never forgot uh, and if he was here, he would talk about it. But he says, after art's created and you've put it out there, it doesn't belong to you anymore. And what he means Ooh. by that is it is going to be interpreted so many different ways by so yes. many different people. But because you've 
you've lent it out to the world. Right. And now it almost belongs to them. It does. So so even if you write a song for a particular purpose, it doesn't necessarily mean that that song is always going to be listened to by everybody and have the same meaning to them that it meant to you when you wrote it. It's just going to be, they're going to own it their way. Exactly. Exactly. Just like we the the same way. You're just like (laughs) asking me, hey, what is this? And to me, it's a, uh, it's, it's a bug, but to you it was a frog. <laughs> exactly. And it could have been, to the artist, it could have been a monster because he was drawing pictures for a monster drawing rally. We don't know. I didn't ask him. I deliberately didn't ask him <laughs> when I bought it. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's you'll see that you know in uh, major art museums or modern contemporary uh, galleries, the contemporary works oftentimes will, their title will be untitled. And it goes back right to what you're saying. What Dave had suggested is that the artist wants you, like is encouraging you to draw from it what you want. So yeah, that's, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yep. So makes it much more fun. Conversations. Now, is that done Mm -hmm. on all your tours, no matter what type of tour you get? Do you yep, do no visual matter. thinking conversations? Yep. Okay. Yep. So every single tour, you're going to get a little taste of visual thinking conversations. It's just how we're going to interact. It's that it's that method for how we're going to engage with, with the artworks that we see. I'm going to ask you those kinds of questions. Um, the other method I like to use is called slow art. The slow movement is a fairly new movement about just taking time to, to do whatever it is. Like there's, you know, slow travel where people are, you know, just really disconnecting from you know, the outside world to just really absorb the the beauty of a place that they're at. There's slow food, which is taking time to just cook, you know, things um, purposefully from what you're finding in your garden. The slow art movement is all about instead of the typical what people do in a museum, I think statistics say people will walk past an artwork and look at it for maybe, maybe even 30 seconds, maybe less. Oh, so, these days, I bet you it's right. It wouldn't surprise me if it was five like, seconds. Like, like, I know you swipe, 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 um, and you just never really look. And if you don't stop to look, you don't really understand. You don't appreciate. So, for me, engaging people um, in slow art—that means we we might look at an artwork from anywhere from one minute to one hour. Like I said, and I'll I'll tell you about some of the other tours where we we actually look at the art one artwork in that entire museum for one hour. But um, it obviously is a I think a great way to kind of start to introduce or retrain the brain to slow down, you know, in our busy, fast paced world, slow down and appreciate what's right in front of you. So those are some of those like hidden takeaways that I have um, on my agenda when we're you think you're having fun, having a wonderful experience, which I hope you are. But hopefully you're taking away the, you know, the the meaning behind it and applying it to, to everyday life. Well, when we when we look at these pieces, too, and, and I'm curious, did the pieces that you select for your tours, do you normally visit the same ones or do you always kind of change it up um, for, for, you know, or is it ones that you've always been drawn to since you have been going to the museum for so many years and you almost want people to see some of these pieces through your eyes? and why you've appreciated them so much. That's a great question, Brian. I actually, there are so many works that I love that um, I really do want to, and I love to learn. So I really want to see what other people are interested in. So 
let's say on let's all right so that the highlights tour again is we're going through those major galleries and you're picking out the ones you want to talk about so again it's not me telling you about my favorites that's your that's your decision um the shadows tour I haven't seen anybody doing a shadows tour so I thought I, I have to do something really unique and creative here it's visiting the museum's lesser known, more low lit spaces, or, you know, like kind of specialty areas. Um, so again, these are play these are spaces that will change out regularly, maybe works on paper, because they're so sensitive to light, they have to be changed out often. Same thing with textiles, so or special exhibit gallery spaces. So we'll visit those. And so I may not know what's in there, because it's it changes the museum uh, curators change them so often. So again, that's where you're going to pick out something you like. Now, on that tour specifically, we're going to talk about, um, there's this, uh, well, because it's shadows tour, we want to talk about light and shadow. So I'm going to talk about a, an Italian term called chiaroscuro, which is like means light dark. And um, there's one artist in particular named Caravaggio. So that is one painting I will definitely take everybody in front of uh, in the courtyard. There's this very dramatic, you know, uh, very dramatic lit uh uh, artwork that he created and we'll talk about chiaroscuro and um and then we'll visit the mysterious gallery 301 many people don't know what that is or where that is and i will no i don't know now i'm intrigued about exactly that. yep i'm not telling you you gotta take the tour <laughs> 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 yes and that's the beauty i think of the museum one-to-one -one tours is there's hopefully enough variety in my different themes that um it can keep you coming back with a different group or a different you know for a different theme, you know, each time. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so when we're when we're talking about that, um, how does one go about figuring out what tours best for them? And then how does how do they talk to you about that? Like, how do you schedule a tour or or figure out what's the best tour for them themselves? That is also an excellent question. So on my website, museum one two one We'll repeat that later, but they can go yeah. to the tab, select tours. And I can just, do you want me to just run through like the list of tours that are on there currently? Yeah. Yeah. We can do that okay. or, or we can go through them one by one, but like, yeah. uh, yeah, when somebody yeah. goes to the website, do they just read, uh, Hey, this is the type of tour or like what type of tour they may want to do because like it, they have to schedule that with you. It's not like they just run at certain exactly. times per day. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to show up unless something is is scheduled. So yes, yeah. all tours must be scheduled. So I've tried to make it um, as simple and easy to understand. Uh, so like I said, under the select tab tour, you see the very first one will pop up will be the highlights tour. What I just described to you about visiting those highlights, how you'll get to pick, um, you know, the artworks you want to see. Uh, there's also some information on those tabs that say like this tour is designed for small or large groups, let's say up to 12 participants. So if you've got a big family group that's visiting in town, you want something to do, that might be the tour for you. You know, it's just, you, you've got your entertaining guests from out of town. Mm -hmm. They just want to be introduced to, you know, the the basics, the general tour at the Cleveland Museum of Art. Shadows tour, let's say you've, you've been to the museum a few times, let's say on your own, you, you know the basics, you've been to the Armor Court, you know, you've seen the Monet. Okay, what else is there? You might want to choose the Shadows tour. All right, now we're going to see some Fabergé eggs. We're going to see Gallery 301. We're going to do some other things like that. Again, that could be for smaller, large Which is groups. all really cool stuff, too. I mean, that, it is. You know, when yeah, you're looking at art, stuff. too, you're looking at history. So, like, yes. you're looking at points in history. So you're getting a little history. And I know you majored in art history, so it's like, you, yeah. you're like, duh, <laughs> Brian. But really, I mean, you're, you're picking <laughs> things out of time. 
And yeah. sometimes you're looking at these things thinking they're so common, but I look at them and I'm like, this person painted this in 1850. Like how ahead of their time were they? Exactly. And you it's might just you know, like, it looks modern day type, uh, you exactly. know, with, with, with the colors and how crazy it gets. Right. And to think of some of the, let's say artworks from the 1600s, you know, the, the, very refined, highly realistic paintings of, you know, let's say still lifes of fruits and flowers or portraits. When you hear what their equipment was and the process of like how they had to make their own brushes, they had to make their own paints, you know, that you, mm -hmm. you, have, you develop a greater appreciation. So those are the kinds of things that will come up on the tour, depending on, you know, if you're showing an interest, if you just don't care, we'll move on. And then, but if you're interested in you know, like, how did they do this? I might also give you some background on what the process was or what their materials were like. So, yeah. I know we'll, it's we'll, not, you know, people kind of take that for granted sometimes. It's like they yeah. did not have a Walmart or uh, some kind of art supply store they that sure they just not. walked up to. Right. Uh, you know, I even think about that <laughs> when I look at like these old cave paintings. I'm like, these people yeah. didn't, I don't even know how <laughs> they had time between trying to survive. <laughs> to figure out where they could even get some colors together and then take the time to put it up on a cave wall with a fire going behind them and they can't right. really see anything. Exactly. Like, it's, I mean, it's just, it's it so really cool easy. to think about just above and beyond anything, just the fact that they could do it. See, right now you are, you are employing uh, slow art right there. You're taking time to really think about it and try to understand it. So yeah, bravo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. I, I got yeah. a good example of slow art there. Brian's brain going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. Well, if you continue down that uh, the select tab on my website, you'd see the cocktails and conquest tour, which I know any parent would tell you you're not supposed to pick favorites, but this is absolutely my favorite tour. It is the most fun. Um, it was my favorite when I looked yeah. too, but I mean, yeah. not that I've done all the tours, but I'm right. I, I, full disclosure, I told Marianne when we first. <laughs> talked i'm like marianne i'm coming on one of your tours and this is the tour i'm gonna do see? and it just it looks so fun i have to try that one first so now see you answered your own question about how do people select so these tours are specifically um now they're i'm gonna say they're generally on wednesday nights because the art museum is open later like till 9 p.m on wednesdays and fridays so some select fridays i'm available and then um wednesday evenings we play what's called well the tour is kind of subtitled one painting, two truths and one lie. So you will be spending time looking at one painting, but it's a two hour experience. And in the first hour, we have happy hour. Now the museum has a fabulous cafe, Provenance Cafe, and everybody's welcome to go and purchase, you know, drinks and nibbles or desserts or whatever they like. And during that first hour, we're going to hang out in the beautiful Ames atrium under the the bamboo trees and we're going to play a personal round of two truths and a lie which brian i think you and i might give this a try later we yeah, are definitely going to give okay. this a try later we'll give this a try later so we'll play two truths and a lie and then after everybody's had a few drinks me only two i realized after the first one i can't have more than two or who knows what's going to come out of my mouth or where we're going <laughs> to end up but <laughs> a lot of people are guilty of that Yes. So, um, so now on this tour, since you asked, I choose, um, I'll choose the painting on this one and I change it out per season. So if you've seen the summer, uh, cocktails and conquest tour, uh, it is changed out. It'll be more of an autumn scene. So I try to go with themes for, for the season on this one. So it'll be, 
Um, we'll we'll kind of wander through the galleries, you know, with our buzz and or you know, you can have coffee or tea. That's fine too. Um, yeah. But we'll wander through the galleries. We will give a, a a figurative high five to some artworks that have people drinking and having some fun in those paintings. I walk you specifically. Yep. And then when we get to the painting, I already have researched and planned out, which is why I choose this one. I put a lot of effort into um, telling you three statements. So we basically play two truths and a lie with the artwork. So you don't read the label. You don't do anything. You sit in front of this painting and I tell you three statements. Then your group, small group, usually small group is best. You'll break up into pairs or smaller groups and you'll try to discuss and your groups are going to try to figure out which statements are the truths and which one is the lie. And then we roll out the, you know, uh, visual thinking conversations and we answer those questions. And it is so much fun because the last the last one I just did, um, there were two two ladies who thought for sure they knew it. And they were given the loser sign to their friends and laughing it up. And they were all wrong. They all got. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So we just we have. So you're so you're playing a little drunk detective, not drunk detective. I shouldn't say yeah. that. You're playing the buzz, it. the buzz detective. Exactly. And, Cocktails uh, and conquest. And, yep. and think you're really uh, getting over on somebody. Next thing you know, you're wrong. So that's yes. great. It's so much fun. Yes. So that's Cocktails and Conquest Tour. Um, then we've got the the uh, the longer tours where we spend a little bit more time. So I call uh, this one one to one. You know, again, I'll constantly using the name. Um, but Absolutely. that one is yeah, one to one is it's a private tour. That might be for just one person or maybe a pair or couple. It's a little bit more of a cathartic experience. You know, when we were talking earlier about um, art therapy. This is more like my version of a, a visual art therapy where um, I will. I'll, I'll meet with that person first of all and just talk about what's going on in their life. Is there something, you know, that's really bothering them or annoying them or whatever it is. Then we'll, we'll walk together through the galleries and I'll let that person pick out the one painting they want to look at. So I have some people that just want to take something random that they've never noticed before and just, just kind of immerse themselves in it. And I had another uh, participant who had a painting that she used to visit every time since she was a little girl. You know, like she loved this Monet painting and she's like, I, I want to spend time with this one again, just cause it's, it's like an old friend. I just want to spend time. And she got to know her old friend a little bit more during this, this one hour time. Um, during the one-to-one -one tours, I usually bring a little pad um, and pencils or people can bring journals that they want. And I'll also kind of give out writing prompts. So um, it's, it's like expressive writing, creative writing. And again, it's another cathartic way to interact with the artwork and just kind of put your thoughts on paper and continue that conversation within being able to be really reflective right there in the space and in the moment, and then be able to take those home and be able to work on, you know, developing those, you know, those ideas later. So that's the one-to-one -one tour. Um, next, we've got the slow art tour. Slow art is again, it's gonna be one artwork, but it's gonna be more custom designed to your small group, let's say. So I my my pitch for that one is like, if your book club, brunch crew, Bible study, or biology class is looking for a novel way to explore what you love, <laughs> then you might want to book a slow art tour. And again, it'll be one hour to study one painting, but it'll be based on what you're, you know, what you're interested in. So right now I'm working with a lady. Um, she's giving me a, a big heads up um, on meeting with her book club. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the the book that they're reading and read through it, and then we'll pick out an artwork or a couple artworks maybe that um, oh that's a know, very interesting way to do that yeah, i mean right. you read the book you're like let right. me see what kind of relates to this a little bit. yeah exactly and then we're, we're going to hit hit those those paintings up 
exactly, that's really yeah. cool. And, and that's a way for you to learn more too, as you're going yeah, through the it kind of forces you into like, you know, doing some research on some, some paintings you may not know as much about. Exactly. That's, that's really cool. Right. And then the last few tours, um, I've got a new one that I'm rolling out called a study in pink. I might be piggybacking on the Barbie, you know, pink trend, but also as I was developing this tour, it was, it's based on seven different artworks at the Cleveland Museum of Art that have um, people wearing pink. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of pink in these and people are wearing pink. Yeah. But as I was really researching and giving it a lot of thought, I realized that each of those paintings in some way represented love. And I, and I don't, I didn't want it to be kind of cheesy, a cheesy discussion about love. So I started researching what the ancient Greeks said about love. So there's, you know, the ancient Greek philosophers have about um, seven different types of love. And so while we'll um, look at each of these paintings, we'll, each painting will, you know, kind of represents one of those different forms of love, like eros or agape or something like that. And um, and we'll brush up a bit on pink color history because it wasn't always a, a girl color. So we'll talk more about that during a study yeah, of pink. Yeah, that's cool. Yep. Family tour, pretty self-explanatory. But the way I do that, again, I'm not going to tell these family members what, what they should like. If, uh, if let's say, the mother and a father and they've got let's say three kids on the tour starting with age five and up I let the youngest start um as we're wandering through the galleries let that person pick and I will talk right to that person I will do visual thinking conversations with any age <laughs> uh child so we'll start the same process uh the visual thinking conversation with each family member and let them well, each and, and let me ask out. you Marianne real quick mm -hmm. while while we're on that topic yeah how has how have you seen the engagement with children. And I'm going to ask by just making a statement real quick that I thought was very yeah, interesting. Uh, and you can tell me your thoughts on this. Sure. Because they said, if you go into any first grade or kindergarten classroom and say, hey, who in here is an artist? Can you tell me uh -huh. who's who's our artist? Who wants to draw an end or who wants to color the envelopes for me? Almost yeah. every kid's hand goes up. Yes. And th they all say they're an artist. Yep. And they love art and they want to be a part of art. And I was guilty of that when I was a child, too. I Me loved too. drawing and painting and I loved art class and I couldn't wait to do it. Then by the time you're in like sixth or seventh grade, you ask that same question, you'll have three kids raise their hand. Right. And nobody else wants to do anything. They don't want to color. They don't want to draw. <laughs> have you found that your engagement with children is even mm -hmm. better than adults sometimes? That's an excellent question, Brian. Um, well, one of my other past jobs was I was a kindergarten teacher. And every single day we started out by putting out, I, I put out blank paper um, and they had their markers or crayons or whatever they wanted to use. And they would just express themselves. So yes. at that age, when you're young like that, you have no in inhibitions. You know, you're just, I, I just want to express myself. I love rainbows and unicorns and I'm going to draw them every single day. And I'm going to enjoy drawing like yeah, I'm and gonna they truly enjoy this. Absolutely. Yeah. They never wanted to stop. So um, but when you start to get to middle school, now I've taught middle school and high schoolers, and you start to worry about what other people think, you know. So for me, what I love about art and teaching every single age level is drawing, drawing people out, you know, and letting them know, just like you and I, when we were looking at this uh Scott Pickering artwork, you're there's no wrong answer. So that takes a lot of the edge off of middle schoolers and, and high schoolers to be like, there's no wrong answer. Don't worry, you're not going to get the It's the opposite of math. 
It's the opposite yeah, of man. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Just <laughs> whatever you feel like it. You know, express your on the other right? end of spectrum from engineering. Right. Yeah. Right. And if you can back that up with why you, you know, why you say what you're seeing, you know, um, then, you know, we've got a discussion. So, yeah. Um, yeah so it, it's, I have to say, when you're making art, the little ones are going to be, you know, prolific. When we're viewing art, it's, it's challenging to get a lot of people interested or at all age groups, because there's always that intimidation factor, you know, for the little ones, the artwork's up way too high. You know, it, they don't understand. They don't know enough about the world around them to know. Mm -hmm. well, let's say like when my kids were little, um, I would take them and and I would introduce them to the the artwork or the art museum in a way that they could understand. So I'd say, we're going to do a, an animal search today. Let's go look for animals like this is a, a painting zoo instead of a petting zoo, it's a painting zoo. Or let's go on a scavenger hunt and look for um, the color red today. So there's a really fun, engaging ways that families can um, introduce their kids to it and talk about it. But again, if if they feel comfortable that what they say is is valid, then I think it makes the experience so much more enjoyable for everybody involved. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so when, I, when I do the family tours, I really try to encourage parents to um, to do the process. You know, with the kids, we call it look, think, and ask. So we're going to look at this artwork. All right, let's think about it. Now ask me questions. You know, and maybe I'm going to ask you some questions. So, um, and, it, and it's okay. They can say whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really cool. And I think that that would allow children to feel a little bit more free and enjoy themselves right. a little bit more because exactly. how often they almost feel like they can't do that a lot of times at school, right. you know, like right. there's only one right answer. It's what's in the book and blah, 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 blah. Right. But sometimes you want to be able to express yourself differently. Like this is how I feel about this painting. Why is that wrong? Right. Exactly. This is and how that this painting makes me feel. Exactly. And another challenging thing with the art museum is they have the grown-up rules of no touch, no touch, no touch. Well, what do kids want to do? They want to touch everything and they want to explore. So let's say one of the tours I used to do at um, Akron Art Museum was a five senses tour. You're like, wait a minute, you know, we can't touch anything. How are we doing a five senses tour? But maybe one artwork I would sit in front of and say, what do you think this this painting would smell like, you know, and it's, you know, it was, uh, let's say an autumn scene. So, you know, they might talk about the autumn leaves, you know, or pumpkin spice lattes that their moms are drinking or something like that. And then there's, you know, another paint, another, it was a big, big pink sculpture. And we would sit in front of that. And I would say, what do you think this is? I'm like, what do you think this thing would taste like? You know, so you talk to a kid on their level and it's like, oh, this could be bubble gum. This is strawberry. This is frosting. This is, you know, and and they really start to loosen up. And and, and, and why not? It could taste like anything. You know, that was like yeah. people's favorite part of Harry Potter is like the everything oh, flavored yeah. jelly beans. Exactly. Why can't it taste like anything? Okay, exactly. this one's earwax. This one's exactly. grasshopper flavor. It didn't matter. Exactly. I know. Yeah, the, the one painting, I, or the, it's a sculpture I'm thinking about back at Akron Art Museum when I was uh, uh, leading tours there. You know, one kid could say it looks like a belly button. The other kid says it looks like strawberry, you know, strawberry frosting. So it's like, yeah. that is white. Yeah, <laughs> that's a Harry Potter <laughs> set of Yeah, you don't know what it's going to be, but it, yeah. it's interesting <laughs> to hear like, cause you know, it's like innocent, but it's truth. And there's mm -hmm. something, there's something cool about that. Right. And to be perfectly yeah. honest, a lot of times when I have just adults on the tour, not even a family tour, I will, I will do a story time. I will pull out a picture book and read a, a story to the adults. And they are almost like disarmed. And they're like, wow, I haven't had a story time since I was 
a child, you know, I'm, a, I'm the one that's reading yeah. the stories to my kid. Nobody's read to me. Or I might have them do um, kind of this follow along thing I do with my hands and we'll we'll learn about the art elements and i will make the adults do this and they're usually pretty embarrassed in the uh, in the galleries but those that are brave enough will let's say you have their pointer finger and make a line I'll be like okay line now close that line and make a shape and then use your fingertips as a paintbrush we're going to do color now use your finger points to like like point all over it and that's texture and now draw your hand back behind your head that's space so you've just learned the five art elements in a much more fun engaging way than me telling you what the five art elements are and listing yeah, them. yeah 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 and when you're doing something yourself it doesn't matter what it is it makes better connections in the brain i mean you just learn yeah. it that's why I, I always say i learn better hands-on but most people do i think everybody does everybody so, does all right so that's so. really cool uh, did, did you have any other tours that you wanted to talk about or can we go into some stories about uh, maybe things that have happened on your tour or maybe some of your favorite paintings at the museum? Uh, let's see. Well, I'll segue that with the, the last theme tour, which is a Christmas in July tour, which I can do. Oh, that's right. The Christmas in July tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Christmas in July tour. And on that tour, and I might introduce this this feature, we'll call it a feature um, on other tours, just depending, like if I've got a really crazy crew, I might do this at other times, but it's called the Tableau Vivant. And I call it Tableau Vivant 121 because I do it, of course, my own special way. But um, have you heard of Tableau Vivant or... I've, I've, I've heard a little bit about it. You're, okay. you're, well, yeah, so. I'm sure many of your listeners have seen The Office, and there's an episode called Garden Party where um, Jim has tricked Dwight into doing some crazy stuff to entertain the guests, and one of them is that he and the other servers recreate Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper just by standing in front of the group, you know, and all reenacting the um, as different characters of the, the original painting. So Tableau Vivant really was in history, a, a way of entertaining one another. Um, but the way I do it is instead of you reenacting the, you know, or your group reenacting the painting that's in front of you, I like you again to express yourself, to insert yourself into the scene the way you would insert yourself into the scene. So let's say on the Christmas in July tour, we are standing in front of a nativity scene. Beautiful. You've got the Holy Family there, Joseph and Mary, baby Jesus. Yeah birds and angels those uh the magi might have shown up in in one of the paintings so let me ask you brian if you were yeah. in this scene how would you express yourself in this tableau vivant one two one and then in the nativity scene yeah how would you express yourself <laughs> as as brian you know, to be honest with you the first thing i envision and i don't know why <laughs> it's like if there was a pillar there or something yes. i would be kind of like hiding behind it like a <laughs> pillar but it would be too small to really hide my entire body <laughs> and i would be pulling my hands about to the side and you wouldn't see yes. my entire face I, but half of my head would be out you'd see my eyes and i would just be peering out at this scene in front of like me with all the animals and the baby and all exactly. that stuff. So That's how out. I'd hide myself in the nativity. So. Exactly. Exactly. I had actually the way that I have it um, on my blog is that my husband had done a tour of um, around England with his friends and they just got set on the joke of him doing the Captain Morgan stance, putting his leg oh, up. Oh boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So we photoshopped him into the nativity scene, putting his leg up, just sort of Captain Morganing, <laughs> you know, the, the scene. So yeah, so I, you know, I just, I want to have fun. But again, I want people to be engaged in a way that it makes sense for them. It's something that they take away and, you know, we'll just help them, you know, have a, have a great day, you know, and, well, you know, that's just fun to even think about. So to do or, or, or talk about and like play a game like that, like it, when you're engaging with people, I, I, I love that. That was the one thing you were talking about one-to-one, but it, it, it's more than that. It's just like, if people want to go on a tour where they're just led around and they're like, well, this is, this is painted by Monet and yeah, exactly. it was painted in 18, blah, blah, blah. And you, know, you can do that. And you, you might have an appreciation for it and you'll read the little placard and you'll be like, Oh yeah, this is beautiful. And I love yeah. this. And all that. But when you're actually engaging with it, when you're, when you're challenged to yeah. think a little bit more, then just look at this and this is how it is. And this is who painted it. And this is why they painted it. And, th and this is when they died. Right. It's, it's life is more than that. There's it's just true. life is engagement. Life is interaction. Life is conversations. Yes. Life is, that's why we, that's why we feel more alive when we're doing things like that. So the, the, exactly. these tours just sound so much more involved and, and just like a better time than just your, run-of-the-mill hey let's just go right. to the art museum and yeah exactly. look, no. at the, look at the medieval armor again you know exactly i know all right brian thank you you could just drop the mic there we're we're done that's that's mm -hmm. it yeah uh, well i do have a couple other fun things to share but the last thing um i'll say is that you can create your own tour so uh with enough notice maybe give me at least about a month if you've got a special event or family's got you know something they're celebrating or a bachelor party or whatever it is, give me enough heads up and I'll create a tour for you. You know, so there'll be special pricing well, for that. that. That's really um, cool. Uh, and time. let me ask you this, Marianne, when you bring that up though, yeah. is there really like, you may not have uh, a person cap that you put on something, but do you, to, to really get the enjoyment of a tour, how many people should really come at one time? Is there a cap yeah. of amount of people? Yeah, that's great. So, um, when you look at the the list of select tours, it'll tell you minimum, maximum, maybe. Um, a lot of the tours might be small group tour, like six to eight people. That's a good amount. We can have a good discussion. Some of those bigger tours, like 12-person tour, might be, again, if you have like a big group of people, they just want to see a bunch of stuff and ha ask a few questions. Um, sometimes we have the big groups for like uh, – maybe corporate events, you know, or ice breaking, team building events. So we're going to yeah. break up, break up those bigger groups into smaller groups to do activities anyway. So, um, yeah. So just, if they check the website, people can check the website and see what, what size group, but they can always reach out to me and I can always, you know, try to, you know, make, make it work yeah, for them. And, and different personalities of groups too, like that, that yeah. probably plays into it too. If you have a timid yeah. group of people that are more just like, they're going to be quiet or whatever, but you get a rambunctious group. Like you may not be right. able to handle 15 rambunctious people. Exactly. But you exactly. know, like, so we'll you kind of got to gauge match. that, uh, That's right. accordingly, but yep. I thought I'd ask now, now, uh, I know we went over the tours, but I do want right. to ask, like, I'm good. what kind of fun things have, or, or just interesting things. Yeah. Um, if you had to talk about certain pieces of mm -hmm. art at the art museum that maybe, 
you think is an interesting fact that most people don't know? Like, what should draw people to the Cleveland Museum of Art? What's the big deal? Why should I even want to go to this place? Yeah, so I read an article a while back that said that our collection here in Cleveland is one of the top three general collections in the entire country behind like the National Gallery in Washington, D.C. and the Met in New York City. So we have a pretty spectacular, comprehensive collection that spans ancient artwork through contemporary artwork work that's being created right now. So um, there really there really is a lot. And the museum only has about a fraction of what they actually own on display at any time. So the permanent collection um, is out. Few pieces can change here and there. The special exhibit collections will change often, or they'll bring in fun, um, uh, fun exhibits, or you know, uh, just something something different each season that they change out those special exhibitions. So you want to come back and see those. They do really fun family events. They do great um, events like um, there's this one first Friday of every month called Mix. So it is. I've been to several party. mixes. They're a blast. I mixes know they are. are a blast. Everybody. They are. They are the best. And then for. 20 plus years I've been going in September to what's called the Sidewalk Chalk Festival. Sidewalk Chalk, you know, in history was something that the the Renaissance artists used to do. And the education team thought, hey, let's bring that practice here and make it a fun thing. So they've got actual, you know, professional artists out there creating masterpieces with chalk on, you know, on the steps of the art museum. And then children and families could come and spend a couple bucks and get a box of chalks and create whatever they want to, pumpkins and whatever their favorite character is. So the art museum itself has amazing events. It's beautiful architecture built um, in the early 1900s with several editions. It's just, it, it's an amazing place. I, 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 like I said, I call it my mothership. Well, just, and, and even, yeah, you know, the one thing that I really appreciated about it is uh, the best way I can put it is it's compartmentalized there, Yeah. but it gives you, and it's, very diverse so it is. I, I i like i'm kind of a history buff i'm always watching some little youtube video about history or watching a documentary on on different parts of history but you walk into this place and there's stuff from the roman empire yep. there's stuff from different tribes in ancient africa there's stuff yes. from the egyptians or ancient yes. egyptians yeah um there and, and I'm not talking just like a few pieces, like there's whole rooms yeah, dedicated yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then they compartmentalize it even into eras of art. Like right. so you can like look at like you'll know you're in the medieval times because it's mostly like Christian artwork, which was right. huge in Europe right. at that time. Exactly. And then then slowly you see things start transitioning into the impressionists, and then there's more modern art. Um which is basically a modern art basically means anything in the last 120 some years, you know, yeah, so but like, yeah, modern <laughs> contemporary modern is usually considered 1860 to about 1960 and contemporary would be like 1960 to right now. Yeah. So modern and contemporary <laughs> tend to get lumped together. And they have a whole contemporary section. I mean, there's oh, a yeah. whole area where you're going to see pieces of art from artists who are still alive. Yep. Um, yeah. It's really, it's really, I I was never able to uh, actually have the stamina to get through the whole thing in one one day because yeah I sit there and I read the placards I'm so interested in the different pieces right. and and then I'll see like you can get so close to like works of art from people like Picasso and Salvador Dali and Vincent Van Gogh and and 
like You're those so names that are just infamous in art, you know. Right. Uh, they don't have a Da Vinci, though. I will say that they don't have a Da Vinci. But I know we'd have to see. Um, I'd have to do a little research on the prints and drawings. So they, you know, with some of the artists like um, Albrecht Durer, who is an engraver in the 1500s as well. A amazing, amazing artist. His work is done on paper, you know, so they have to switch that out often. So there might be a Da Vinci in the collection and you can actually check the Cleveland Museum of Arts website. Um, you can do a, a keyword search for his name and see if anything comes up. Now it may not be on view, might not be something that we might see for a while or uh, unless they, maybe they have a special exhibit, but they might have a paper drawing somewhere. Possibly. Wow. Well, and, and, you know, a lot of times when you look up the most expensive and I don't know yeah. how they put prices mm -hmm. on certain pieces of art, I really don't know how they come up with it. That's a whole but other. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, out of the top 10, there's always like three of them are always a Da Vinci of some kind. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. This is yeah. the most it's, priceless it's piece advice. here. And this is this. But it is interesting. But they have like so many different painters that you would know right off the top of your head if you've even sure. remotely studied art right. for any amount of time yeah, and you know right. it, yeah. the monet there what i thought was really interesting and i don't know if you've ever heard this and this is me i know this is gonna be in october when it's i put this out right? so I'm, I'm gonna bring it up but one there's a very famous um ghost picture that actually mm -hmm. came from the yes. cleveland museum of art and it they believe i don't know who it is i don't know who the they is but they claim that it is monet it's his ghost in the upper part of the picture, clear as day. It's it, the Cleveland Museum of Art, and I've always thought that was extremely cool to to uh, well, to see that. Draw you in. All right, you know what? Actually, that brings up a great point. Yes, I've seen that uh, that photograph. I don't know if it was real or doctored, but um, neither never, do I. For the you never know. All I know is that way back when, when I was a security guard, we were told. I mean, this is like actual like rules that we had was. The art can be very moving for people if, you know, if people want to start to be intimate in front of the artwork because it moves them so much. There's this, this spirit, this energy that comes off the paintings. Let them go. So I don't know if that's huh? still cool or not, um, but um, there, were, there were times when I was working in, let's say, the Asian collections. The, the Museum of Art has an amazing Asian collection as well. And I was guarding uh, those pieces and I had... Um, some people down there with cameras and they really believe they were seeing energies and auras coming off of those. And they were taking pictures, which I was trying to see. I was doing that sort of like focus on focus and I, I couldn't see it, but they, they really believed that they were interacting with some auras and some energy coming off the sculptures in the Asian, uh, Asian three galleries. So, you, you know, know it, it is funny. <laughs> it, it, it's like, I, I always claim, and I, and I don't hide this. I am a, actually a, a skeptic and i do when i do talk to people uh you know i want to hear people's stories and i think that those stories are fantastic and they're really interesting but at the same time like i get it like when you say something like that it's like part of me completely understands exactly what you're saying like yeah. could i could the logical part of Brian argue it i always say that there's <laughs> a logical part of Brian and then there's this part of Brian who's just enveloped in these stories that just like right he's totally with it he he gets it there's this duality inside me that's like exactly. hard to explain 
After uh, a couple more of those Michelob Ultras, you know, you just might, yeah, might be yeah. seeing some of those <laughs> yourself. Yeah, yeah, the way I like to explain it is sometimes <laughs> I go, yeah, I, I won't believe that your house is haunted, but don't ask me to sleep there by myself either, you Thank know? You. So, yes, like, exactly. once you ask me to put my feet to yeah. the fire, then I, then I, all of a sudden, I get second thoughts. I'm right It is funny. It is very funny. Uh, when we talk about that, but I, I did want to throw that in because there was there yes. is that picture in uh, uh, that's pretty famous actually. It that's is. Out you can there. look it up. I've seen it. Uh, now I don't know if you want to disclose it, but I am going to ask you. Yeah. Do you have a personal piece that draws you from the Cleveland Museum of Art, and if you do, why is it that, that right. drew you to it, or is it is it nostalgia? Is it is it personal? Is there something that you really always are drawn to and you have to see every time you go. Um, I like to think of the, the paintings as like old friends that I do visit. And I've been asked many, many times, who's my favorite artist? What's my favorite artwork, uh, even of all time or at the art museum? And I have to honestly say, I do not have a favorite. I, I don't, I've studied so much and I'm just, I want to be open to everything. So I, I just don't lock in on a favorite, but there is one artwork that I just recently connected with, and it is actually a painting that just sparked the entire branding for my company, Museum One to One. And that painting is called The Pink Cloud. Um, it's by an artist named- I know The Pink I Cloud. Yes. I see that every time I go in there and I've had questions about The Pink Cloud. See? No, that is that a painting that's done with like little dots? Yes, yes. Yes, I know The Pink Cloud, called, I know yep. it. Yep, see, it's, yep. So that style painting is called Pointillism. Um, it is considered modern. It's a neo-impressionist if you want the, you know, the lecture <laughs> on it. But um, it is, well, when I did the Two Truths and a Lie summer version with that one, we learned that it was painted by a radical anarchist, you know, not just some happy guy that, you know, loved pretty things. He was he was a radical anarchist. Um, but yeah. I but would I, never have guessed that. If exactly. You see, see, you would have been one of those people saying like loser to your friends and then you've been like, nope, you're wrong. So yeah. anyway, so that painting, I spent one hour in front of it. That was my first time ever uh, spending one hour with any artwork ever, anytime. And I just was so moved by it that like even one of my phrases in my business is called be the pink cloud. And you know, I'm not going to say exactly what it means because I would love everybody to kind of figure out what be the pink cloud could mean for themselves, just like any other painting or artwork. But that whole idea of just this beautiful, captivating image just just stayed with me. And I just I thought it was so inspiring that um, it like I said, it became the, you know, the branding for for my business. So I, I love the pink cloud. I'll have to say that. Okay, that's 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 respectable. Because if somebody asked me what my favorite movie or artist yeah. or person in this was or author, I couldn't tell you in any right. of those because there's so much different things that I like and respect in exactly. different genres and whatever mood I'm in at different times that can fluctuate so easily. It's like I don't have these favorites, but there's uh, a lot of artists I really respect and enjoy right. their work. Right. And there's actually, there's a lot of artists, you know, and artworks that I don't like, and I just, I really don't even want to look at them. But actually on tours, I will tell people, you know, you visit a gallery space, it's kind of like visiting somebody's home, you know, go to the ones you like, you know, your old friends and go and visit with them. Maybe read the wall label if you, you know, if you really want to mm -hmm. learn more about it. But I also challenge people, if you see something in that space that you 
you just, you, you can't stand it. You can't explain why you hate it so much and you don't want to look at it. But I would encourage somebody to go and look at that thing anyway. And, you know, sit in there and ask yourself the question, what's going on in this painting? You know, and ask yourself, you know, like, all right, what do I see that makes me say that or why I don't like it? And then maybe read the wall label on that one as well. And, and maybe, maybe gain a little bit more appreciation. And, um, and, you know, that, that's, that kind of, is a life lesson that I would hope that people would take away with them. That that's one of those things like we are all surrounded by, you know, people, <laughs> situations that we just don't like, we'd like to run away from or just ignore. But it's like, maybe if you take a little, little extra time, you know, to get to know it or spend some time really paying attention, you know, maybe you'll get a fresh perspective on that person. No, it is. It's cool. And sometimes you can even start to fall in love with the story behind a piece. Yes. And it does change your perspective. Beautiful. on. It does. I, I, I've noticed that when I've looked at like some paintings that were like three different shades or monochrome yeah. or something, I used to be like, right. oh, I could paint that. Exactly. Or why is this art? Why is this hanging here? And then right. you find out like they took all this time to come up with these right. shades or how they divided it up or there's a yeah. story behind why they were doing what they were doing at that time or where they painted it or why they painted it or what. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're like, man, right. I have a totally different appreciation for this. Piece. Exactly. And those kinds of conversations do come up on the tours. If we are engaged with something that we, you know, we didn't expect to see, or somebody just asked like, why is this here? You know, and, and we'll go talk about it. So I, I absolutely welcome those kinds of questions and that kind of inquiry of skepticism <clears throat> or, you know, disappreciation because it does open up a whole other area that is more, much more meaningful. Yeah. I, I think oh. it's great. Okay. Well, I want to transition into our game. Yes. Um, I do want to do two truths and a lie. I will do mine personally. Okay. Um, and you can tell me what you think the lie is out of okay, the yes. three things that I do. Yes. And, and then we will talk about yours. Okay. Um, so in two truths or a lie, mm -hmm. I will say I was flying on September 11th, 2001. Okay. To be one statement. Um, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. And I used to have a tarantula as a pet. So those okay. are my two truths and a lie. Ooh, you made. Does that does that work? Are those good yeah. statements for that? Yeah. You made like all statements that they could all be true, and there could be some, you know. And I don't know you hardly at all. I know we know each other now, so um, oh, maybe, I, maybe I'm not doing maybe, it right. Maybe I was supposed no, to do things. No, that, that's that's actually really good. No, okay. I. I tend to, I, in past ones that I've done, I've, I've over-talked my lie and people caught me on that because I overdid it. So you laid it out perfectly. Just three statements, boom, here we go. All right, I'm gonna take one guess. I'm gonna say, you did not own a tarantula. Oh, you're good, Marianne. You've been really? doing this too long. It was a straight up guess, straight up guess. All it right. was a straight up guess? Oh my God. No, nah, I never I had a tarantula you. as a pet. I never had a tarantula as a pet. Good. Now, I have to ask you, where were you flying to on September 11th? Well, actually, it, it's funny because I used to fly out of Burke Lakefront Airport for yeah. Channel 19. Oh, my goodness. Uh, every day and do and do the traffic updates for Metro Traffic Whoa. at that time for the radio. So we'd yeah. fly out 
in a helicopter at a Burke lakefront. Oh my gosh. And I happened to be flying in the morning. We were doing the traffic updates. I, I had this little microwave transmitter that I used to yeah. um, send the information to. And believe it or not, there's a place called Metro Traffic and all the radio comes out of that. They all do their broadcasts out of there for it didn't yeah. matter what station. All of them okay. come out of there. Okay. So I had this little micro and the pilot interjected on my channel because he, he had his own channel where he was in contact with other air traffic. So right. we had different channels. And he goes, We we we're just told we got an emergency land right now. And we had no idea why. And he oh just goodness. told me uh, Cleveland Hopkins called me and said that they had a strange aircraft fly over that was mm-hmm. giving them some from some very strange uh, responses to their questions. And oh we believe that there's an emergency going on. That was that happened to end up being the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. That I flew do. over Cleveland Hopkins Airport. So we were up in the air at that time. And uh yeah, uh, we were we landed, and by the time I got back in the van and drove back to uh, the station uh, off Granger Road, that's exactly when the second plane hit that the second oh the goodness. other tower. Yeah, I think yeah. all of us alive knew. I mean, my son was only a few months old. I was terrified, sitting on the couch watching all of this, calling yeah. you know anybody that I knew. And at that time, my husband owned a pizza place, so. He's like, I can't come home. He's like, we're having record sales already. He's like, everybody's rushing home and ordering pizza because they don't they don't want to take their eyes off the TV. But I I called my um my stepsister and she was actually dating a guy who had a a roofing business and we're I think he was on top of one of the Cleveland Heinens and he said he saw that plane turn around and divert like he yep. it was like right overhead. So it's like we all kind of have stories that and everybody remembers where they were at i mean mine is pretty memorable but everybody knows everybody knows yeah yeah they all know whether they were in school or they were working or whatever was going on they know what they were doing and then i was born in uh, in pittsburgh (laughs) and moved here when i was young um so i always make the joke i don't know i you know by the time i was into (laughs) any type of sports and football i was a browns fan and well, I don't know what it's like to win a Super Bowl because I've always hated this. <laughs> even when I was born in uh, in Pittsburgh, um, and then the tarantula like? thing was just like an interesting little animal that's kind of unique. That I was like, maybe I did, maybe I did. You know, but so. that's really plausible. I mean, I just, I honestly just guessed. So, you know, yeah. I wanted the funny um, thing to be true. So how about you, Miriam? What would you, what, what are your two truths and a lie in any order? Okay. Um, all right. So let's see. First, I'll try to be just, all right. I love green peppers. Love them on everything. Second statement. I was in a movie with Rob Lowe and three, I have two children. (laughs) (laughs) What's the third one? I have two children. Okay. Okay. See, this, this is great because uh, the, the the reality of this is if you want to find out which yep, one is if, which one is the lie out of that group, yep. and I definitely want to know if you were in a movie with Rob Lowe, but we are. I'm going to have to find out when I go on tour. That's right. You're coming on the tour and you'll find out. All your listeners. And I'm going to find out when I'm yep. on tour. So yep. 
Marion, let's talk about it. How do we book our tours? Where do we go to book our tours? Um, and all that stuff. I want to know all the good information. And how do I follow you? Are you on any social media? Well, yes, of course. Um, we can, we'll say, let's continue the conversation. Um, you can find me on my website, www.museum121.com. And the 121 are the actual numbers, 1, 2, and 1. Um, and then I'm just simply on Facebook as Museum 121 and on Instagram at Museum 121. So oh, yeah. really simple, really basic. Um, and yeah, you can find me there. Oh, so yeah, great. if you want to schedule a tour, go to the website. I try to funnel everybody to the website. Look at that list, select tours. That way you can, you know, be reminded of all the different uh, types of tours and which one's best for you and your group um, to start. And then, uh, and then there's just links where you can go to, it'll say select tour, and then you can go through or select tour and then schedule tour. And then you can schedule through there. And um, you know, my email is there. So, you know, you'll, you'll be able to, to schedule a tour. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, um, it's, it's pretty uh, straightforward and yes. I've been to the website. It's easy to navigate. Good. It's really easy to figure out um, or I'm not, not easy to figure out, but it's uh, easy to go through and get right. information on the different tours what they're in, what's involved in those tours and then how to get a hold of you. Yeah. Uh, I do want to thank you again, Marianne, for your time. Uh, thank you, Brian. And, and for, for coming on and filling us in on these tours. I think it's, it's a fantastic thing what you're doing because it's just so interesting. And the, the little, uh, you know, the value of the art that we have in Cleveland can sometimes get um, forgotten. You know, it's yeah, easy sure. to, to, to take it for granted and not realize sure. what we have here because it's, sure. but you know, what was the name of the family that um, donated all that money that they got most of the pieces from at the Cleveland Museum of Art? What was that? Is it the Hannah family or they own the land? It was some family and then they set aside a bunch of funds to purchase artwork. And I can never remember, I thought it began with an H. Uh, uh, so there's the Hannah family. There's also the Wade family. So if you if people who um, are familiar with the area, Wade Oval, Wade Circle, that whole area was. From oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Wade family. Um, so the the land for the the museum was donated by Jeff the Wade the second, and um, his dad was a big industrialist who founded I think um, Western Union Telegraph or something like that. You know. Cleveland used to be, you know, Millionaire's Row with all these amazing industrialists. Oh, um, yeah. It was like one of the richest cities yeah. in the world. Um, right. at exactly. That time. They said, yeah, it was it was definitely they have the the top amount of wealthy people on Millionaire's Row. They said there was nothing like it. It was just so grand, uh, that whole space down along um, Euclid Avenue. So, yeah. So a lot of those early industrialists, um, after they competed to see who would be the wealthiest, they would compete to see who could be the biggest philanthropist. So I know, yeah, they, would, I know yeah, they, yep, they love giving. Yep. Oh yeah, Rockefeller, Carnegie, and all those guys. So yeah, so there were um, like Hannahs and Huntingtons, Wades, um, all those big names that um, you know. The, we'll say the founding fathers of our whole museum uh, collection, you know, of institutions there on, on University Circle. So. Yeah, and a lot of libraries and all that other yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Really cool. Um, again, so uh, anybody listening, uh, I'm always looking for other guests and artists and business owners and everything. Mm -hmm. So if you have any suggestions, don't hesitate to reach out at cleveland.schwill at gmail.com. 
support. Uh, don't hesitate to leave us a review on any of the major platforms that you're listening from. I'd love to, uh, I love to see those reviews. I love to hear from you. Uh, we always appreciate it. And with that being said, the next time you have a drink, make sure you have one in the name of Cleveland Schwill, and we will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.